Welcome back, leaders, friends, catalyst change agents to the Ray Johnson Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Lominick. So good to have you on for this episode. And we are trusting and hopeful that you're uh, healthy right now. You're, you're leaning in. You're, you've created some new habits for 2021. Thanks for tuning in. So we, we are excited about the Ray Johnson Leadership Podcast for 2021. We'll continue to bring you guests and content, hopeful, inspirational stuff that will help you be a better leader. On this episode, Elizabeth Maring joins Ray for a conversation. And let me tell you about Elizabeth a bit. She's an attorney and she's worked with uh, nonprofit organizations and businesses since 1985. So for the last 35 years, she's had all kinds of different roles. She is, uh, she is now leading something called Community Threads, which uh, helps a number of organizations and has generated millions of dollars in financial grants to benefit homeless women and children and create private educational sponsorships and scholarships. She lives in Michigan. And so this is a great conversation between her and Ray, especially in regards to helping leaders right now in the world we live in, in the current reality of a lot of us are trying to figure out how do we even move forward? Uh, we, we've got a lot of pressures and different things pushing in on us. So I think you're going to enjoy this, this conversation. Also, just a heads up, Thrive Business Leader Summit, January 28th from 9 to 4 and that's 9 to 4 Pacific Standard Time, the Thrive Business Leader Summit. You can go to thriveconference.org, thriveconference.org. You can sign up there, and uh, it's going to be a great day. I think there's several thousand leaders already registered. This is a free event, so you're going to hear from Elizabeth along with many other voices that you would recognize. So I think it's going to be helpful for, for all of us, and especially those of us who are business leaders. And if you're a pastor, then you're, you're not... You're not excluded. You can jump in as well. This is for all leaders, but especially and specifically for business leaders. So put that on your calendar, January 28th, 9 to 4. You can sign up. You can register for free. And if you hear this after January 28th, it should be on demand. So you can still get it and access it at thrivecommerce.org. So let's jump into Ray's conversation with Elizabeth Martin. Hello all, CJ and Ray here. Ray, we've got an incredible announcement for people coming up here that we want to tell them about. Uh, what's happening around here? Yeah, see, uh, first of all, thanks, CJ. It's the best announcement ever because it's free. Um, we what, hap- what drove some of this is this. Um, businesses in America and worldwide, um, a lot of whom are good people with good hearts, have just been crashed their future's been crashed their hope has been dashed um i didn't realize it personally until i walked into the person that cuts my hair which as you can tell doesn't take a lot of time and and hey it's not funny cj and um (laughs) the first time she reopened after being shut down um i walked in i gave her 200 dollars in cash and i said i am so sorry for what's happened to you tears streaming down her face she said it's been so hard she was then shut down a second time the net, when she reopened, I went back in. Less of her employees were there. And I did the same thing. Gave her $200. Again, tears streaming down her face. It's been so hard. The third time she reopened, I walked back in and I looked at a crushed, defeated, hopeless human being. And I did the same thing. And, and she said, I'm done. She goes, I can't survive the third shutdown. All of my people are out of work. I've, I can't pay my, I've lost my business. I've lost my job, you know, and so I drove over to her place just to see it. 
and there's a lockbox on the door and all the stuff's inside and another of a million businesses who have been shut down without ever having the chance to prove that they could actually operate safely and efficiently. That was just taken away from them. And this has been heartbreaking. Millions are unemployed that maybe didn't need to be. And hundreds of thousands of businesses have been dashed and business people. And we have a ton of business people connected thrive are going, man, how, where do you find hope? How do you create a future? How do you pivot? Um, and mm -hmm. so CJ, we decided let's put together a world-class best lineup ever uh, business conference. And because everybody's hurting so bad, let's just make it free and give it to everybody worldwide. And so yeah. that's exactly what we've done. And CJ, I mean, You've helped put this thing together. Who's on it? Yeah, we've got folks like Simon Sinek, Patrick Lencioni. We've got Elizabeth Maring. We've got John C. Maxwell, just to name a few of the voices that are going to be resourcing this business leaders who desperately need strategy, you know, insights and, and other resources. So we're really excited about this. Yeah, that's exactly right. We have developed a 12-step plan we will give you on there for how any church or business can help other businesses. Uh, we have we have seminars on pivoting. We've got seminars on finding funding. We have seminars on what to do if you're chapter 11. Do you, what do you do about that? We've got seminars on how to reopen, how to recreate momentum, how to grab attention. And, um, and the date of this, CJ, is date of this is January 28th, and it's a full day starting at around 9 a.m., and uh, it'll be going, you know, till 4 p.m. Or, or longer. That's right. And, and the last, by the way, the last time we did this, we decided to take Thrive and put it online. And, and the reason we did that is this, somebody asked me recently, what's the number one thing you've learned about leadership in the last decade? And I said, that's easy. Nothing great happens through you until it happens in you, which means I have got to put myself in settings where I am learning new things, being challenged, being encouraged, because when something great happens in you, all of a sudden it creates a future. And I actually believe this subject, the only people that have a great future are people that actually let their hope get ignited and operate with fresh vision. And we hope this gets them to them. Now, if they want to register themselves, their friend, pass it on to other people, how do they do that? Yeah, they go to thriveconference.org. They'll see the Thrive Business Leader Summit right there. It's really simple. And again, we want to stress this is free for you and your team and anyone else that you know. If you're a pastor, this is an incredible way for you to sort uh, support the business community that's in your church or around your area. So we've made this free again for you and uh, in your community. So thriveconference.org, uh, you can sign up now. Uh, hey, folks, it is a privilege to welcome Elizabeth Maring to our Thrive Business Summit. Um, Elizabeth has a background that like nobody I know. Okay, She's been an attorney. She has represented businesses and nonprofits. And throughout her career, she's helped staff leadership and board positions and numerous nonprofits, including us, getting to know each other and becoming friends at Azusa Pacific University. Uh, she has been at Willow Creek Church, Heartland Community Church, the Christian Alliance, ShareFest, um, in 2011, she founded a great organization, Community Threads, which is a Christian nonprofit social enterprise, which generated over $3 million in financial grants to benefit homeless women and children and provide educational scholarships to students in need. She lives in Michigan with her husband of 35 years, Clarence, and is the mother of two married sons, Daniel and Stephen. And uh, as I have told friends of mine, 
and, and our staff who we brought out to do some training with our pastors, one of the sharpest, smartest leaders I have ever met. So Elizabeth, those are that's that's high standards. We're gonna live up to it here. But hey, welcome to our Thrive Business Summit. We're really glad to have you here. Ray, thank you so much for having me. I can't tell you what a pleasure it is and uh, what an honor it is to try to help business leaders today. That's right. So um, we were talking earlier. Um, you have written a book that I have read more than one time. It's called The Nonprofit Playbook, and it's 12 Essential Guides to Somebody Having Sustainable Success. Um, my first question is this. I write books, so do you. It is hard work, thankless, alone time. Um, why did you write this? Uh, Ray, I wrote that book because after 35 years, um, I felt like I had gleaned enough experience to uh, write down uh, what pitfalls and what positive things leaders can do to really ensure that their organizations become sustainable. I wanted to help them. I wanted to help nonprofits and businesses just survive and thrive as long as they can. And in this era, it's really important uh, to have those foundational uh, uh, blocks in front of you. And uh, it certainly is going to be tested uh, in the current era. Yeah, no kidding. Now, um, you use the word sustainability, okay? Um, I mean, we have both been involved with and seen things that were important, and some of those important things didn't last, which is a shame. Um, what do you think are the most important things to staying alive, healthy, thriving, and sustainable, especially in today's climate? Right. Well, um, in my book, I outlined 12 and then I have two bonus um, uh, factors. But today, I think we should just focus on the top three okay. that business leaders can um, uh, use immediately right now in these circumstances. And the very first one I would mention is innovation. Now, innovation sounds a little odd, I think, in this era, because I think we're all just trying to hang on. But actually, it's really a key point. And it will help businesses that do survive uh, to be set up to thrive after this is over. And we know that it will it will end. Okay, so a couple of examples of companies, I mean, chewing gum companies and things like that. They're, I mean, even chewing gum companies are innovating. Right, right. So the truth is, is that we don't have a choice, right? So what has worked um, in the past um, isn't working as well in this era. The supply chain's been interrupted. We can't get face-to-face to, -face to our customers. Um, you know, there's just all of these barriers to how we normally do business. And so it's it's really pretty much, Ray, adapt or die. Now, some of the some of the companies are doing some really innovative things, like you mentioned. So there's a chewing gum company that is running a national ad right now that is saying, you need to chew our gum to um, prevent and cure the terrible problem of mask breath. Now, I had never heard of mask breath. I'm not sure anything like that actually exists, but what the commercial did for me was to say, wow, is mask breath a thing? And should I be chewing gum to solve it? It was incredibly creative. And of course, it's gonna be short-lived because we're all gonna take our masks off at, at the end of the day. But I right. thought that was really creative. You know, another example of innovation is the Panera uh, Bread Company. Now, they're primarily a bread company, but they sell a lot of coffee to go with that bread. But recently, they've gotten into the subscription business. So they'll give you three months free unlimited coffee, but then you have to sign up for $10 a month, or maybe it's $9 a month for unlimited subscription after that. So basically, they can fill a coffee box and they can deliver it either by pickup 
which is, um, you know, contactless or ship it somehow. But I thought it was incredibly creative that a bread baking company would become a subscription company. Yep. And now everybody listening to this is thinking, okay, I need to innovate. Get, are there other, what are some other ways leaders can innovate? Right. So one of the first things that leaders can reach for is they need to look at their stockpile of products and services and ask, what is old in our stockpile that we can make new again? Is there anything that we can repurpose, reintroduce, or create a more relevant twist on and, and revive it? Um, one of the easiest ways uh, to do that is to just see what products have been shelved, so to speak, and what might be relevant again. One of the best examples of this, Ray, is the Instant Pot. Now, pressure cookers have been around forever, but someone got the bright idea, who's probably making a lot of profit right now, or I think we, we know that there's more product lines even spinning off, but he took a very old product and he made it new again, and it's a huge hit. So that's, kind of that's the kind of thing. Now, what I did want to say to business leaders is that there has to be a balance between the tried and the true and innovation. Smart. So there's been some research done that if a company only does what it's always done, it will fail. It will become obsolete. In fact, Bill Gates has said that success is a lousy teacher because it creates so much complacency. And also, if they have a big stockpile of products, it's kind of hard to imagine that all of them someday may not uh, be appealable to the market. But, you know, we can look at Kodak or IBM and we can see that some of these companies that looked indestructible eventually uh, lost uh, their market share. But if you only innovate and you only do what's new, that is also perilous. So only 2% of companies, Ray, get this formula right, which is balancing the tried and true with the innovation. Yeah, no kidding. And then now we have some major corporations listening to this. Um, there are some time, is this a season for corporations to think through some collaborations or mergers? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You know, you're exactly right, Ray. That's, that's, that's precisely what they should be doing. Um, sometimes they can look on either side of the supply chain and, um, and create uh, uh, some new offering um, that's a win-win. Um, frequently, one of the best examples of mergers or acquisitions um, is Big Pharma. Uh, now, Big Pharma normally has a very robust, developed research and development teams, and they're chasing certain product lines and development of certain drugs or certain devices or diagnostics. However, they are also very, very proficient and adept at acquiring biotech firms that are started on a single idea that may have been developed enough for them to have their interest drawn to it. But they don't have, they aren't stuck on a not invented here kind of mentality. Any idea that's a good idea that they can bring into their system and grow it is fair game for them. And I think we should all learn from that. That's a really good strategy. Absolutely. Now, you also um, talk about imitation generally is something people avoid that they shouldn't avoid. Okay? Right, right. Exactly. So, so my favorite story on imitation is actually Sam Walton. So he, when he was starting Walmart, he would imitate and, and constantly um, walk through the Ben Franklin stores. Now, none of us, or very few of us remember the Ben Franklin stores, but at that time, they were the big, the big company on the block. And so Sam Walton would go there and he would check their pricing, he would check their merchandising, and he was always looking to see what they were doing. He would take their best ideas and take them back to the Walmart store, which was just starting. Now, clearly... 
clearly we want to stay away from any kind of intellectual prop property legal problems, right? I'm not suggesting that we steal trade secrets or, you know, any kind of uh, intellectual property, but there is a lot that savvy business leaders can look over the horizon, see what their competitors are doing, seeing what um, adjunct um, industries are doing, and uh, and bring that back in-house and maybe put um, a personal twist on it. Well, that is good. So, Innovation, uh, I mean, dreaming, changing, innovating, um, being tomorrow's company um, or nonprofit is a is a really big deal. The there's a second factor, and when I read about this in your book, it reminded me. Um, I had an interview with Forbes a, a long time ago, and Forbes said to me, "What's the most important thing you've learned in ten years?" And I said, "That's easy. The solution to everything is the right person." Okay? Absolutely it ties into your second top factor. Yes, yes. So right now, because businesses are so stressed, many of them are having to um, uh, have a reduced workforce. Um, And this is really excruciating. So um, good business leaders are going to look ahead past this pandemic and say, how do we keep our best employees right now um, in, in, uh, you know, in our circle so that when we come out, we don't have the additional problem of trying to rebuild our teams. Um, and, you know, sometimes that's possible. Sometimes you have to, the cuts have to go pretty deep. So how do you, how do you keep people interested in on board? Well, I think the very first thing is to pay attention to the number one article that was read this uh, in 2020 on Harvard Business Review. And that article had to do with grief. 34 million people read HBR's article on grief. So what does that tell you? That tells you what we already know, which is there's a river of pain out there. And so good business leaders are going to, as much as they can, become the empathizer in chief. And that means acknowledging the pain, doing, uh, you know, trying to figure out ways to reduce stress. Um, But it really has to be a, a much higher sensitivity level from the top all the way through the organization for how stressed out people really are. And I think that will create uh, loyalty connections. Um, One uh, of my favorite examples of this was a company uh, had all their employees working remotely, of course, as most of us do. And uh, they decided to decorate their parking lot at the holiday season. And they they just decked it out with lights and bright lights. They made it as festive as possible. And they had their employees and their families and their kids and everybody in the car driving through at scheduled time. So it was all socially distanced. And all the bosses came out and they just started applauding their, their um, employees. And then they would pop open the trump, trunk and, and drop in a Christmas gift. And then, and then they would ride away. It was great for morale. You know, it was a little bit goofy, but it basically said, look, we're separated, but we're still a community. And that was really effective. Yeah, it's interesting. I have never heard that about being the empathizer in chief. I got some work to do. Um, <laughs> Don't we all, right? We're all so busy uh, problem solving. Now, at some point, everybody listening to this that is running anything has got to figure out how do I, how do I decide who to move on and who to keep? Oh, you have any tips on that? Because that's a big deal. Right, right. Um well, it, 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 sometimes it's easier, uh, you know, sometimes the approach is, well, first in, first out kind of thing. But I would, I would encourage business leaders to think instead about what is the staff that you want to have coming out of this? Yes, you are going to need people who are experienced, who really do understand how the flywheel works and how your hedgehog, hedgehog works, to uh, quote Jim Collins. 
but you're also going to need your young innovators. Um, and also, I think the, the key to the downsizing is really to be honest communicators. I think sometimes because we're soft-hearted, um, when, we're when we're giving people bad news, sometimes we want to sugarcoat it a little bit or we want to minimize it. Um, but the truth is, is that we really need to just be honest with people. Now, I'm not suggesting that you tell your staff or your employees everything you know the minute you know it. Clearly, there are strategies to communication as well. But when you do decide to speak to your staff, you speak honestly and you give them the real story. And I think that will build trust. An example of this, of course, is Dr. Anthony Fauci. You know, for, for eight months, we've been listening to Dr. Fauci. And I think his brand is, and his, his, the way he is genuinely, is he's an honest guy and he tells it like it is. And he's probably the most trusted person in America. And people will work for people they trust. They leave bad bosses. They don't leave bad jobs. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Now, I have your book, which I am going to, uh, we, we will put a link to this so you can go order this book. Um, the And you have, I'm going to rip through here and then ask you a third, what the third factor is. But here's yeah. what I want to say is, this is a playbook for a nonprofit, many of whom start well and end badly. Okay. Yes. And... And the and there's nothing worse than a great start and a lousy finish on anything, a marriage, a business, whatever it is. However, this isn't just about nonprofits. And so here your chapters are take control of the money problem. You got money problems, you're toast. Okay. Set high leadership standards, an entire chapter on that. Find and keep great leaders. Okay. Oh, brilliant. Um, build a better board. Manage destructive conflicts. Stay mission true. I'll ask you the question about that in a minute. Develop a loyal staff. Innovate, imitate, and stay ahead of the curve. Protect your reputation. Attract and retrain excellent volunteers. Prepare for what comes next. Keep up with cybersecurity, which nobody talks about. And then you actually had just in time a chapter in here, a last chapter on initial impact of the pandemic on nonprofits. Um, the out of all this material, and each one of these things could be its own book. Out of all of this material, you there's a third factor, and it really is board partnership. Can yes. you unpack why that's so important? Yes, yes, yes. And and Ray, if I could just say, you know, the book really is it, it's it's meaty. It's it's packed with um, with really solid. Um, ideas and um, and in a, you know it, it's something that's really going to help in the moment um, and and the reason I did that is because I thought I'm a busy person and I really don't want to read a lot of fluff to get to the one nugget I want to get to the nugget first so I hope that is the promise that the book um, uh, provides for leaders but let's talk for a minute about uh, board relationships uh, especially in the nonprofit world when things get very stressed stressful, um, it's very tempting for boards to want to micromanage because they care, right? They care. They want the nonprofit to succeed. So a good nonprofit leader, or a good business leader with a board is going to have to navigate that as well as the employee issues underneath him or her. So my suggestion is to, to try as much as you can to lean into your board, um, to keep good communication. It will drive them crazy to know that they're stressed and not know what's going on. So communication has to has to bump up. But more importantly, if they feel that they are your partner and that their their voice can be heard, that their suggestions can be helpful, um, that they might be able to make a connection for you, um, those kinds of partnerships can really strengthen a 
an organization in times of stress. Um, yes, there's going to be those board members that want to do your job. You know, you just have to sort of navigate that with them and say thank you, but listen well. Um, I hope that's helpful because I think boards can sometimes be a really untapped resource. That's right. So there are people listening to this that have boards. Um, if you're if you're going there, someone on the board, and they're just too toxic, and it's not good for the board, and you're leading this, what do you do? Right. Um, you know, it's really a much more common problem than you would think. Um, sometimes right. people are invited onto boards for reasons other than they'd be great board members. Hmm. Uh, and that will that will come to fruition, right? If, if they're picked for the wrong reason, that wrong reason will show up in a board meeting. Um, and so I would say that um, your best bet on that is to create good board structure because it's very difficult for you one-on-one -on -one to confront uh, behavior that is destructive or toxic. But if you have systems built into place in your board that you have easy on-ramps, easy off-ramps, you have yearly board evaluations, you've got a governance committee that can help you if someone's behavior gets out of line, those kinds of structural help um, will keep keep the leader out of sort of the one-on-one um, uh, uh, -on -one, uh, confrontation mode, which sometimes doesn't turn out very well. Yeah. And Elizabeth, you also um, have an entire chapter in here on mission drift. I mean, we both are passionate about that. We have worked together on that um, in settings. Um, unpack why that's such a big deal. And for anybody that's experiencing it or wants to prevent it in the future, any tips? Yes. Yes. So mission drift is one of the worst nightmares for business leaders to wake up one day and figure out that the reason they're working in the organization is different than the way everybody else is working for the organization. Hmm. And that can happen uh, for a number of reasons. I would say rapid growth is one of the biggest reasons why mission drift happens because people get hired very quickly and mission as a key pillar of why people are working for you kind of gets lost in the interview and defaults to what are your skills. So it's really important. So you want to include that your mission statement and your allegiance to mission in every interview. You want to hire everyone who's passionate about your mission, not just necessarily good at the job that you need them to do. The second thing is you really need to communicate your mission over and over and over again, especially at big events, um, because it's just really easy for it to get fuzzy if it's not sort of in the eye of the organization on a regular basis. Um, I think the other thing is that it's very easy for sometimes organizations to hire a chief executive who is a wonderful chief executive, but may have a different mission. And, yeah. and then over time, that person's leadership influence can change the mission. Sometimes missions just change because they become obsolete, right? So you could have a, um, a rescue center for um, uh, an impoverished neighborhood that then becomes less impoverished and now they need a community center. So um, it, it really takes a sharp eye and constant monitoring. And I recommend that boards spend time at least once a year examining how well the mission is going, not just at the board level, but throughout the organization. Yeah, well said. Um, the, I have two other questions. And uh, this one's a cur this one's a curveball, okay? Okay. Um, lots of people listening to this are leading something, okay? Um, you're in a lot of settings watching people lead. What is the dumbest thing leaders are doing now? 
where you're going, oh, if you would just think about this, you would change this. Right. Um, you know, honestly, I think it's the it's losing the balance between listening and activating. Mm. You know, leaders are being counted on to to plan and execute. But in in times of and, and when things get really dicey, it's really easy to want to pull a lot of levers and make decisions quickly. Um, I think that it it would behoove leaders um, that are listening to just spend some time thinking and listening. And, um, and I mean, clearly we're all got our, our faces in the spreadsheets, right? We're all looking at our finances, but if you can take it at a fresh hour in the morning and just think to yourself now, how is this really going or getting other people to think with you? I think that would be, um, a, a very profitable enterprise. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I'll just stop there. Well, that's good. That's good. It's funny because if somebody said to me, number one thing outside of the obvious you're running over people, so I just go, most leaders do not have enough time to think. Right. Okay. Which is why I'm so glad you are tuned into this right now. Um, <laughs> why we're doing this. Um, and so, Elizabeth, any final thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I think that um, leaders tend to be people who are high achievers, uh, who are responsible. Uh, who want to do, who want to bring good into the world. And because of that, they can be extraordinarily hard on themselves. Um, so I would like to just say to leaders, if you are getting 50% of what you're doing right now, right, you are doing wonderfully well. I would encourage self-compassion and encourage you to be gentle with yourself. Um, you know, try not to drop your exercise routines. Um, try to think past, um, uh, today and and things will get better and know that uh, there you're not alone uh, and that many of us are praying for you and that as from a Christian perspective as I am you know God reigns this is not a surprise to him and he is going to carry you through. Well, I like hearing that. I was talking to a pastor um, yesterday, just a a great leader, great guy, former NFL player actually, and he said it finally dawned on me that if I didn't take good care of myself, I was not going to be able to take care of my people long range. And I went, that is brilliant. He said, I cleared out my garage. I put workout equipment in it. I went, I just thinking, good for you. I should probably go and do likewise. Uh, the, <laughs> now, uh, the, so for those of you that are going, I want to get this book. It's on the Thrive Business Summit website. Um, however, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, you've written a free workbook to this including a diagnostic tool that I think everybody's going to want. Okay. What, what is that? And then how can they get it? Yes. Yes. So um, uh, there is a diagnostic tool for free along with a 70 page uh, workbook. Um, and you can, you can use it 10 pages at a time because um, as Ray said, each chapter kind of stands alone. So you can pick those topics that are most relevant to you and just use that part of the workbook that, um, that applies to your particular interest. Um, it's on elizabethmaring.com, just my name.com. And all you have to do is pop in your email and it'll shoot you a PDF um, of the full workbook, just free. That's fantastic. Elizabeth, on behalf of everybody listening and settings we're in, I mean, I mean, we've known each other for a long time. Yeah. Every setting we're in together, if a CEO uh, retires, I try to make you the next person. And you're wise <laughs> enough to say no, because you can help a whole lot more people do what you're doing. But I just want to say thank you. It's great having you as part of the Global Summit. Thank you so much, Ray. And thank you for everything you're, that you're doing. 
thank you again to Elizabeth and her book was mentioned during the interview, which is a great book. And it's called The Nonprofit Playbook. The Nonprofit Playbook, you can get that book anywhere books are sold. If you're in the nonprofit space, that's probably something you'll want to have on your shelf. ElizabethMarring.com is Elizabeth's web- website. Elizabeth with a Z, Marring, M A R I N G.com. You can check her out there. You can find more information on her. You can contact her if you want to get in touch with Elizabeth. Thanks again to tuning in to the Ray Johnson Leadership Podcast. And let's be healthy leaders. Let's lead thriving churches. We want to see you leading well. We'll talk to you on the next episode. We got a lot of great episodes coming up. So stay tuned, subscribe, hit that subscribe button, share this with all your friends, lead well friends, and we will talk to you on the next episode of the Ray Johnston Leadership Podcast.